Oh man, oh man, welcome to Sudden Death. This is the show of all shows, by the way. If this is your first time listening to this show, if you have come in for the show, you haven't they, Alex? Um, they certainly have. By the way, that's Alex, and I'm someone other than Alex, and this is Sudden Death taking you deep inside. We're not the same person. Entities. Two separate entities. Some might say that, um, and they might be accurate if they did say that. This is a very special show of shows because we're going to tackle, like football players, like linemen, we're going to tackle four big hot topics in the news today. Isn't that fun? Hot Let's topics. get down to the mall. Sizzle, sizzle. <laughs> down to the mall. We've get got, your eyeliner out, kids. We've got a good hour to get through four topics. So, you know, you're the math major, Alex. How many minutes is that for topics? Um, I think it's... I think it's uh um I think it's um, um Okay. I think <laughs> we'll it's, figure um, that out later. But the point is we got a dash here. And so we're gonna dash straight and head first into the first topic. The first topic, of course, is the breaking news topic that everyone's setting their hair on fire about. Ow. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I hit my head on the topic and then someone set my hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you've got all those scars and burns up there. I, I was wondering about that. All right. So thank you, media, for your, your third burn. burn. <laughs> Uh, first topic is the, the big wiretapping scandal du jour. No, I don't actually know what du jour means, but it must be something ominous because it's all over the place. These I think it's a kind of soup. <laughs> du jour a la mode or, or something. <laughs> Whatever. The point is, there are allegations flying around like a bunch of pigeons or swallows or other flying creatures of wiretapping. And they're started by the Monkey president turds. of the United States. Now, we did a show recently about how uh, the president of the United States tends to say things that, uh, well, are partially true or somewhat untrue or misleading at best or perhaps flat misleading out Misleading at best, yeah. Right. Um, so what the president did this weekend uh, is, is uh, send out a, a list of tweets, a string of tweets along the same lines of misleading, partially true, not at all true statements, or at least evidence-free ones. You know, you know Saturday morning, uh, about... 6.30 a.m.-ish, he started out with uh, this tweet, terrible, exclamation point. Just found out that Obama had my, quote, wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. He then goes on to say, is it legal for a sitting president to be, again in quotes, wire tapping a race for president prior to an election turned down by court earlier? A new low, in all caps, of course. And then, I bet a good lawyer can make a great case out of the fact that President Obama was tapping my phones in October just prior to election. And then, how... Are you asking for volunteers? (laughs) I don't get it, man. (laughs) Next, how low has President Obama gone to tap, with two Ps, my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon Watergate. Bad or sick guy. And finally, and the most prescient tweet of all came right after that one in which he said, Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't voluntarily leaving The Apprentice. He was fired by his back pathetic ratings, not by me. Sad end to a great show. <laughs> that is a very fitting end to a long line of tweets about an entirely different topic, uh, about uh, wiretapping and FISA abuse. So, if we could step back here, Alex, I like to do and take a 30,000-foot view uh, from, from like a plane somewhere of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a backdrop in the media, as you may have seen, of innuendo, whatever that word means, 
of the President of the United States while he was campaigning, colluding with the Russian government in order to help him get elected because supposedly they have something on him that he won't reveal that we would only find if he saw his tax returns. And that's kind of the basic gist of the backdrop in the context of the coverage. It's very here. complicated. <laughs> yes. And as Avril Lavigne once said, why you got to go and make things so complicated? That's what you want to say. Why they ha- why they have to go? Why they have to go and make things? Not why you gotta go. She's <laughs> Canadian, remember? You say tomato, I say why you gotta go. Come on now, let's, let's not be picky and sticklers here. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> things are complicated, but that's kind of the backdrop of this. And then President Trump comes out and says Obama wiretapped his phones with no evidence. Now, it's true that there isn't any evidence of President Obama personally ordering a wiretap of Trump Tower during the election. That is definitely true. But that it's we also, know about. Right. There's no evidence <laughs> of that, as I said. Yes. But it's also true that there's a process in place to begin with where you can go to a secret court, a FISA court, and without presenting evidence in front of people or judges in the public, you can secretly present suspicions of wrongdoing by a U.S. citizen with a foreign government of collusion of some sort or whatever kind of activity you're suspicious of. And that court will grant you a warrant to tap someone's phones uh, in secret. Now, being the budding libertarian that you've become, (laughs) is there a a kind of a Fourth Amendment issue that you have with the whole idea of FISA courts to begin with doing things in secret and shadily like that? Um, Yeah, it's secret and shady. And it (laughs) seems pretty straightforward from a libertarian perspective it does but yet they exist and they came to be under the bush administration Uh, sounds about right (laughs) yes and so i would think that you know there there have obviously been reports of michael flynn the former national security advisor (laughs) uh supposedly having contact with the russia about sanctions during the campaign um and that being tapped into and you know there have been multiple media reports about supposed wiretapping of that and there have been other reports with anonymous sources by the way of these uh mysterious forces trying to get a fisa court warrant back in the summer of 2016 to tap into the trump team's communications to see if there's any been any contact with russia Mm. that warrant of course failing and then in october so the reports go by anonymous sources they got another warrant uh, without naming Donald Trump this time, a more general search of shady Russian-type communications, and that one being granted. Uh, so the media is telling us now, by the way, that we can't believe the organizations that reported this because they're based on anonymous sources. Ever since the transition period about Michael Flynn's communications, about what Donald Trump said to the Australian prime minister, the president of Mexico, this and that. Those anonymous sources we can believe in. That is not change we can believe in, but anonymous sources we can believe in. But when it comes to other outlets that aren't like, you know, CNN or the New York Times, if they bring us anonymous sources about FISA court warrants, no, no, you can't believe those. Those are rather unreliable. Is, is there a problem here with that line of thinking? <laughs> Answer yes, by the way, but go ahead. Spoiler. Yes, yes. uh, That seems a little uh, hypocritical and um, selective. Right. It's selective, number one. Hypocritical, number two. 
And all right, that's really just reverse the order. From what and I said. <laughs> and there's always got to be a three part list, as you know. It's the I, I do making list. All right, go on. It's also arrogant. It's not on the on the part of the quote unquote mainstream media organizations. Believe us when we bring you anonymous sources about Donald Trump and his team, but don't believe them when they say something about Donald Trump and his team. I mean, as an aside, this is their hubris. This is I don't this know will, what that word this means. Will be, you know that arrogance that leads to a downfall. Got it. <laughs> See how that's a very appropriate word to use yes, here? Yes, I do. That was very good of you. Yeah, this is exactly why uh, people are not listening to us in particular, but other, <laughs> other news sources um, that are not in the mainstream media. Right. And so I don't, I don't know if The Guardian is considered outside of the, at least the mainstream media. It's certainly the mainstream left-wing media. And The Guardian is among a list of news organizations and sources that were listed out by the Trump administration as evidence of Trump's evidenceless claim uh, for there being kind of shady surveillance in general of his team and by radio talk show host Mark Levin, who kind of set out a case for police state tactics and this kind of sneaky, shady uh, spying going on, even if not of Donald Trump himself, of those around him on his team like Michael Flynn. And, you know, as I said before, the context for all of this supposed wiretapping is this idea that Donald Trump has been colluding and his team with the Russian government, which is kind of an ongoing uh, media feeding frenzy that they're not letting go of. Right. And so I guess the question is, number one, since uh, James Clapper, the former DNI director, said on Sunday that there's no evidence of any collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. And the senators who have been investigating this said there's no evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Why are we still making all these innuendos about the collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia? If it's not okay for Trump to say without evidence that Obama tapped his phone to Trump Tower, why is it okay to imply without evidence that the Trump campaign has been colluding with Russia and shape all of our coverage around that? Right, that's a that's the million dollar question, ain't it? <laughs> that is, you have a supposition of some sort as to why that is. Well, I mean, they're acting in uh, what they believe they to who? be the media, um, or acting in what they believe to be uh, their self interest. They're giving the people what they want to hear. Um, which but, is... well, half the country doesn't want to hear that though. Well, yeah, but you know, um. I guess that's probably right. About forty nine percent, right? <laughs> okay. Probably don't want to hear You're that. You're the math major around here, not me. I uh well, I don't know. Considering only like sixty percent of people vote. Um really we only know for sure. Probably like <laughs> you know, twenty nine percent. Half of the voting of population doesn't want to hear that, yet they're being fed that anyway by these uh, same arrogant media sources. <laughs> and you said it's in their self interest. How is that in their self interest? No, I'm saying they believe it to be. Why? Because they think that's what people want to hear. They, they think that's what people are interested in. And um, as long as we have a president who's calling CNN and whomever fake news, um, they're trying to defend themselves against that, right? Right. They, they certainly are doing that, but that doesn't really explain why the coverage is being shaped as if there's some kind of nefarious connection, collusion even, between Trump's team and Russia when all of these people who are in the know, who are on the record, by the way, not anonymously, mm -hmm. saying that we don't have any evidence of that. And uh, yet, 
we're demanding to see tax returns and demanding to um, have hearings of, I don't know, Michael Flynn. We want him back. We want Jeff Sessions to come back and talk to the, uh, talk with the Russian ambassador. The tax return thing is definitely weird because it's like, what do you think you're going to find on his tax returns? You know, uh, bribe to Russian diplomat line item number, you know, 55B. Right. It's like, um, okay. <laughs> I don't think it would be that uh, explicit if that were the case. I, I mean, like, I guess there is such a, such a thing as like forensic accounting to uncover some, uh, you know, nefarious is the word of the day, apparently, but ne- nefarious activities on a, you know, tax return. Um, but, uh, you know, it just seems like uh, at this point, it's just it's very hysterical. And it would be at this point. What difference does it make? Um, I hope you are, because. That, that yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Right there. <laughs> no, at this point, it would be uh, totally uh, um, undermined by the hysteria surrounding it. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I think any objectivity this report could possibly have. Maybe. I don't know. Well, there's uh, very little objectivity going on around there in the media. And this whole wiretapping story is a great example of it. Again, like we said, when we did that uh, show about Donald Trump's exaggerations and lies, we get and by we, I mean, they, of course, get caught up on a tweet or a series of tweets and say, that's not true. That's not true. But totally miss the entire bigger context of. Uh, the issue being discussed. In this case, the idea of secret courts allowing secret suspicions to be presented to them, and then as a result, wiretapping either phone calls themselves or doing electronic surveillance of emails and things of that nature. Yes, it's true. And I I think actually, uh, not, it's not evidence exact. I mean, it's not evidence, but it's pretty hilarious. Um, The thing that the sudden depth uh, Twitter account tweeted out um, about <laughs> by itself magically, yes, yeah, by itself somehow of its own accord. Uh, the statement from Kevin Lewis, spokesperson to former President Barack Obama, wherein uh, he says uh, Barack Obama and the White House did not interfere in anything with which they did not interfere. I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we. We never spy on U.S. citizens when we're not spying on U.S. citizens. Right. <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah, that seems true, I guess. At, at Sudden Depth Show on Twitter is where we find that, by the way. Yeah. And uh, the, our staff, I guess, pointed out that, you know, that statement says that uh, a cardinal rule of the Obama administration, I guess Obama's the pope all of a sudden, uh, was that <laughs> no White House official ever interfered with any independent investigation led by the Department of Justice. Now, as a wordsmith, Lenny P. Linguist lips yourself, it's very evident that obviously you can't, by definition, interfere with an independent investigation. The moment you interfere, it's no longer independent. That's like saying, absolutely, I never ate a piece of chocolate out of an unopened box of chocolates. Um, Wait, wait, no, of course I didn't because it's impossible to eat a piece of chocolate. As soon as I eat the chocolate, I mean, I open the box already. Right. So the statement doesn't tell us anything, and it also just says that Obama didn't order any surveillance. It doesn't say that no, that no yeah. surveillance ever happened. No, uh, I mean, actually, I think what's really brilliant is the second sentence where it says, "Okay, here, here's the here's the the uh, bulk of the sentence, and then I'll add the uh, I'll add the 
uh, clause which precedes it. Um, neither President Obama nor any White House official ever ordered any surveillance on any U.S. citizen. Okay, that sounds great, right? <laughs> wow, that's amazing. However, it says before that, as part of this practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, um, within the confines of not interfering with independent things, which we've already established is a tautology. <laughs> I um, see what you did there. Look at that. <laughs> Ta-da. <yeah. laughs> um, then, uh, yeah, sure. President Obama nor any White House official ever ordered any surveillance um, Yeah, w- within this practice in which, uh, you know, uh, they were not interfering with, with this thing. But that, that doesn't actually tell you anything about um, whether he, in fact, did or did not ever. It's a very carefully worded yet poorly worded statement because yeah. it doesn't give us that much. Um, well, yeah, it's, I'm, it's uh, intentionally worded that right. way. That's correct. By Presumably. The um, not by the spokesperson. Yep. Now, um, there's another issue that lawyers are involved in. That's the hot topic number two that we're going to straddle on over to. And that is the issue of Obamacare. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that's pretty good. We should we should record that and use that as our as our theme. Song. You know, yeah. Actually, every time I hear the word Obamacare, I think dun dun dun. <laughs> good, and it's the same key too. Sometimes it's dun 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 dun. <laughs> sometimes it's da 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 da. <laughs> yeah. all, wow. all the above. <laughs> all yeah. of the above. Um. So, as you know, hashtag Darth Vader care. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Vader care. That's correct. Um, as you know, Alex, uh, the this truly is the best podcast ever. It's a radio show at this point. It's only a podcast after the live part is done. Whatever. I mean, I meant the this episode. Right. The this best episode. episode ever. This episode. Best episode ever. And one can call into, by the way, at 773-897-6182. Did I mention that? Now I have. Nope. Okay. So the Obamacare issue has raised to the fore yet again. It appears that the House GOP has finally come up with kind of an outline on legislative paper in legislative language of the repeal and replace effort for Obamacare that they have finally come up with. Now, this is after years. Remember, in 2010, Obamacare was passed in March of 2010. And back then, the GOP vowed to repeal and replace it. That was... Again, not a math major, but almost seven years ago, I would think, if I have my calculator working correctly. And back then, they said that uh, the alternative to Obamacare was that we were going to have free market-oriented solutions. We're going to allow you to purchase insurance across state lines. Yum. We're going to allow you to have health savings accounts for your health care-related expenses. Oh, yeah. We're going to do tort reform. Remember tort reform? where those Totally. Those, <laughs> Oh man, that's uh, very clever of you, A Rids. We're gonna have tort reform so that those those big bad trial lawyers who are suing all these doctors all willy nilly for their bad medicine practices supposedly cannot recover nearly as much money and nearly as easy a way anymore. So that therefore the doctors will not be practicing defensive medicine anymore. All of those things were pillars of the 2010 effort to repeal and replace Obamacare. Republicans campaigned on this time and time again, every election since. In the 2010 midterms, they campaigned on repealing Obamacare, and they won a historic landslide in the House upon doing so. 2012, yada, yada, yada. 2014 happened, and then they campaigned again on repealing Obamacare. 
And then they got the Senate. Finally, they got that big majority in the Senate that they've always dreamt of, 55 folks. And in 2016, Donald Trump came on the scene, and he, along with every other of the 5,217 Republicans who are running, they all promised to repeal and replace Obamacare. And so here we are. We've got the House. By we, I mean the Republicans. We've got the Senate. And we've got the White House. Let the repeal efforts begin. Let, let them begin in earnest. And so the GOP finally comes out with their fancy schmancy replacement, care, replacement plan. And let's find out what's in it. Uh, taxes. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Taxes? White a tick. That's right. The Cadillac tax. The Cadillac tax is back and with a vengeance, and it's being kept in this proposal. <laughs> Cadillac tax attack is back. <laughs> what else do we have? The subsidies are now gone, Alex. No more subsidies. No more taking your money and my money and giving it to other people. Instead, we have yeah. tax credits where we take your money and my money and give it to other people, even if we're not paying taxes ourselves. Wait a second. Wait a hold on. And then there's this there's pre-existing conditions where we used to, and under Obamacare, we used to force insurance companies to allow people to get coverage after they've already gotten sick. And but with the GOP, we're now in town and we're going to we're going to force insurance companies to cover people after they've already gotten Seems sick. Seems reasonable. <laughs> and then of course Bums who are living on their parents' insurance, bums or like students or whatever, <laughs> one or the other, on their parents' insurance, whatever. Some of whom could probably be classified as bums. That's right. Both and. They are covered till they're 26 yet again. And so you might be wondering, well, wait a cotton pig in second. What really is that much different between this new GOP effort and the, uh, pre- the previous uh, Obama effort? Well, Rand Paul and I, by the way, are concerned that not that much is different. In fact, Rand Paul has termed or coined the phrase Obamacare light to describe this effort. He and a bunch of uh, conservative members of the House, they're not having this. They're not going to take another bill that's Obamacare progressive-ish medicine and shove it down the throats of the American people. They're not going to have it. And by George, I'm with them by George. You see, when you uh, beg voters to give you the House, and then they give you the House, and then you beg them to give you the Senate, and they give you the Senate, and then you beg them once again to give you the White House, and you finally have the House, the Senate, and the White House, you better come up with something darn better than Obamacare light with many of the same provisions that Obamacare had, just a more watered-down version. Repeal and replace is starting to sound an awful, like, an awful lot like repeal and repair. Is it not, Avery? Um, it certainly is. You've got to say more than that. This is your time to speak, so say something more than that. <laughs> Go on. Nah. <laughs> I do have a question, though. Okay. Who wrote this? Who wrote the, uh, the new bill? Well, funny you should ask, Alex, because the bill was written by a select committee of people in secret behind closed doors on the Republican House side so that no one could see what was going on during the writing process. In fact, Rand Paul 
was wandering around the, the halls of Capitol Hill. In fact, if you go to Rand Paul's Twitter page, as he does pretty of, much every uh, well, every evening. Well, yeah, that is that is not inaccurate. He just takes like a you know a paper bag filled with whiskey, and then just wanders around the halls. I've I've I hear. Okay. <laughs> Do anonymous sources tell you that too? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, so Rand Paul's been spending the past week um, going around the halls of Capitol Hill, um, looking for the bill. Change. Oh no, for the bill. The dollar bill. Yeah. But looking for the bill. No. Yeah. Looking for the room where they're they're drafting the bill. Looking. Yeah, looking for the room where they're drafting the bill and the bill itself. You know, he's making a point using a very clever or at least interesting stunt that you know some of the same processes by which Obamacare was drafted are being used this time around, you know, drafting in secret uh, behind closed doors so that you can't see what's going on until you have to pass the bill until you find out what's in it, as Nancy Pelosi infamously said one time. Um, They're going through the markup process now in in each of these committees, so they're going to be adding certain things and amending the legislation. But the legislation that stands right at this very moment is not very conservative-friendly. I don't know what is your... Uh, ideal vision of an Obamacare replacement, if any. Um, yeah, I would. I would just say free up the markets, basically. Um, if someone yeah. were to press you on specifics <laughs> like, as to what that actually means, what would I you mean? Say? Uh, uh, erase the lines around the states. It's <laughs> <laughs> very Donald Trumpy of you. Yeah, to say something like that. Yeah, you know, they they call me. Uh, uh, Donald Jr. <laughs> no, they actually call Donald Jr. Donald Jr. Uh, Donald uh, Jr. Jr. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't know that, but it's nice to know that uh, you have a new nickname. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm in I'm in favor of certain things that Obamacare did. Like, I think it's totally cool. Um, you know, if if you're in school, which people are now until you're you know 500 years old. Um, you know, to stay on your parents' insurance. I feel like that's a pretty cool thing. What about this but, idea of forcing insurance companies to cover people who've gotten sick after they've gotten sick? Yeah. There's no other kind of insurance where you do that. You don't get into a car accident and then right. Car I mean, right, exactly. Like that's that's not insurance. That's just uh, it's assurance, but not insurance. That is correct. I mean, that's just uh, you giving me money. Well, yes. You know, so that doesn't really make any sense to me. Um. And they're getting rid of the individual the, mandate, so I'm not sure how you'd even pay for that anymore. That question has not been answered satisfactorily to me. The idea of the individual mandate was to get young people like you into health care that you weren't really using that much, so that older people like you or father, for example, yeah. who was using it that much, would have that kind of money to pay for his insurance. But if you're not going to be required to buy insurance anymore, then your father still is getting all that insurance and being covered without the pre-existing condition uh, restriction. How is that going to be paid for? Do we know? Do you know? Yeah, sorry. You're you're saying you're saying the whole point was to get me in in uh in the healthcare system in the pool so, that, so yeah. that my money would be going to you know the my, older sick people who are always using these healthcare services. Yeah. So um I have the right to uh, decline to join the pool. I have the right to decline. To now, give my money to someone else. Now you do, but you have to pay a fine if you don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying like in general, like uh, I have a fundamental right to choose what I want to do with my money, right? Like no, I'm not let, under Obamacare. Let, you have to pay. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm, I'm saying outside of that. <laughs> okay. 
I'm saying this is I'm saying Obamacare is violating my right. That's what I'm trying to say. If only John Roberts would have said that in an opinion written uh, back in 2012 when he said, no, 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 this is a tax. And even though Obama went on, uh, uh, I guess, Good Morning America or This Week with George Stephanopoulos and told George Stephanopoulos, no, 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 this isn't a tax. This is a penalty. And then. It, right. It's like you can you John can Roberts make all the with that. you can split the hairs any which way you like. Um, it's still, you know, a forcing monkey people a to is still a monkey. Right. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> sure. That's what my poppy used to say to me all the time. A monkey in a suit is still a monkey. That's what he just That's like that. your poppy. My pappy. Yes. Pappy. pappy. Is that your grandfather? <laughs> no, it's uh, a guy down the street named Pappy who I met last week. He used to tell me that all the time last week. And then he got hit by a bus, and I never saw him again. So that's very unfortunate. Man, maybe you should write down, like, some memoirs or something and get them published. <laughs> me and Pappy. <laughs> yes. An entire week of Pappy-filled bliss. Now, calm down. Calm down. You're not calm. I want you to calm down. Okay? I don't know, man. That sounded super gay. Said, whoa, whoa. I said calm down, please. Please. This is, children are listening. Please. All right, should we get back to what we were talking about? No, we should move on to topic number three because All right. it is time now. For... Do, do you want to draw a conclusion about this? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Republicans have no spine because they're introducing Obamacare like this. should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. And if they don't conservatize this bill, big league, then screw it, as, as the kids would say. All right. Yeah, that, that's our conclusion. This has been our conclusion brought to you by Pappy. And the letter E. Uh, e is for extraordinarily interesting radio show, obviously. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on to topic number three, illegal immigration. Ooh, illegal immigration. Ooh. Uh, this issue has boiled back to the surface of, uh, as well because of uh, certain enforcement measures. Love the metaphor. Yeah, go on. That are being uh, used on certain uh, illegal aliens in the country. There's a big hullabaloo about uh, certain people who were living in the country for a while, and then they've gotten caught, and they're being shipped back across the border from whence they came, even though they haven't committed violent crimes. That's the kind of media narrative. If you haven't committed a violent crime, then you should be allowed to stay. And if you're not allowed to stay, then the person who is making you not stay is a heartless shrew. Or something to that effect. It goes something to that like effect, that, yes. yes. And so we've had multiple cases over the past few weeks of uh, people who are illegal aliens, and they are being hauled across the border. In one case, it was a woman who was convicted of Social Security fraud uh, back in 2008. And uh, under the previous regimes of the past two administrations, she was first subject to deportation. And then she was allowed to stay as long as she saw her deportation officer every year and then every six months. And then recently during her six month checkup, uh, she was detained and deported. Um, this is kind of the poster child of just the mother of two, the innocent, hardworking, undocumented American, as Nancy Pelosi calls them, of <laughs> coming across the border, trying to work hard and posing no threat to anyone else. And yet being deported by the, the wascally, mean old Donald Trump. Of course, they always leave out the part that she's uh, convicted of a social security fraud uh, in 2008, which is a felony. 
So that would be a convicted felon is what she is, another way to look at her, and she's deported. Um, and they also forget that, you know, coming across the border in the first place, it's not legal. It's actually a crime to do that. And so they all have broken the laws. And so they're all subject to deportation under immigration law. Now, just because the last guy in the White House didn't enforce those laws very much, except on a select group of people who are like, you know, rapists or whatever, that doesn't mean that every person subsequent to him must not enforce the laws and do their jobs as well. Uh, I don't know what your ideal solution to the people who are here illegally would be, so you can tell me now. <laughs> Go on. It's like it's always like a sneak attack with you. It's like <laughs> sudden death. That's oh. what it is. It's like sudden. The name of the show. How about uh, what's what's your uh, what's your idea? Um, deport everybody and send them all back to whence they came. Um, build a big wall. As Keep I, them all out. As I said before, I'm, I want the wall. Give me the wall. Um, Give me the wall. Build hashtag build the wall, and um, you know everyone can't be deported because of you know practical considerations. But uh, you know I think it's just in the message. And deport a few. Deport more than a few. Like violent criminals and other criminals who are non-violent who do things like steal people's identity and social security numbers. They should be deported too, by the way. Uh, yeah, deport the criminals. Deport the criminals foist. And then after the criminals are deported and the wall is built and the sieve that is the southern border has been uncivified, then we can have what they like to call a national conversation about what to do with everyone else. Right. So (laughs) delay the conversation, deport the criminals. I'm down with that. What about – but you're not down with the wall. I don't understand why you don't want the wall. Oh, the the wall – well, the wall I think is basically uh, just unrealistic, too, uh, too expensive. Um, how about we spent a trillion dollars on yeah. a stimulus bill? That wasn't too expensive. Yeah, that is too like that's. <laughs> but we did. It. I agree. Okay, <laughs> so we should continue overspending on silly nonsense. Well, this isn't silly nonsense though. The, like the 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 uh, the shrimp on a treadmill yeah. that was used with the stimulus money that was silly nonsense. The turtle tunnels underneath the roadway that was silly nonsense. Yeah. Okay. So the um. What what I would say is uh, basically something comparable to what you're saying, which is um, how about we uh, balance the budget and pay off some of our debt, and then we can talk about building a wall once we have actual money that isn't just metaphorical money floating somewhere out in the ether. You mean monopoly currently, money? Like that? <laughs> yeah. We, yes. Basically, all we have anymore is monopoly money. I guess and, the argument uh, against that would be is because this is our security at stake. People are willy-nilly crossing the border in places where there is no uh, border wall or fence or any kind of barrier at all, and there's no guard around to stop them from coming in. And that is not keeping us safe because suspicious characters with bad intentions can wander into our country and do terrible things to us, like kill us, for example. Yes, that would and be so that's why an argument. You would put the building of the wall ahead of the balancing of the budget. That would be the reason for that. Yes. Is that not persuasive enough to you? Um, I mean, it's a matter of how dangerous are all these people and how pressing is Well, they're not this all issue. dangerous, but uh, some of them are. Right. Yeah. So um, currently, the, that's not persuasive enough to me. So thank you, though. Well, we must Thanks work for on the persuading you. <laughs> we must work on that. Now, by the way, um, you know, I've been kind of kind of getting public opinion about this crisis on the border about uh, illegal immigration in general, about 
how we should stop illegal immigrants from coming across the border, about what we should do with those who are already here. And so in, in my investigative uh, process, if you will, I took the liberty of actually going to one of these illegal immigrants and interviewing him myself. I did that just for the show. Oh, me, oh, my. And so um, I talked to him and I asked him, you know, what should we be doing about people who are coming across the border illegally? How should we stop that? Or is that a big issue to you at all? And this is what he, he speaks Spanish, so I'll have to translate it afterwards. But this is what he told me after I asked him that. De donde es usted? Buenos días. Voy a hablar primero de la situación actual. El crecimiento de la deuda nacional es un continuo problema. Ay, mi hija, qué ojos más grandes tienes. El examen era imposible. That's a good point. Mis amigos argentinos han llegado a Atlanta. No, no juegues con él. Está enfermo. That's right. Los expertos en aeronáutica han invertido millones de euros en ese proyecto. Luego le indicaron la única salida del inmenso teatro. Yes, sir. ¿Te refieres a mi padre? Esas casas cuestan menos de veinte mil. I agree. Si pudieras hacer cualquier cosa, ¿qué haríais? Ella no quería vivir ni en Francia, ni en Grecia, ni en Polonia. That's good en stuff. realidad, Joaquín Guerra iba a aceptar el puesto. Oh, Joaquín, I know him. El club campestre de Costa Rica es muy bueno, pero tiene muchas deudas y lo van a cerrar. That's too bad. Siempre nos envían cartas desde Gijón pidiendo que volvamos pronto. This is a smart guy. Es un lugar bastante agradable, pero dudo que tenga la oportunidad de ir. A sharp cookie, some might say. ¿Quieres oh my God. comer algo o estás satisfecho? Ya me siento mejor, gracias. A Teresa y a Miguel les encantan las películas de Disney, especialmente Shrek. Okay, so what he said there was, let him all in, is what he said. He really likes Disney movies, especially Shrek. <laughs> Yes. So, so is, is that what he said? That's that's what he said. Let him all in. So I, I was very disheartened by that um, statement. You said he was an illegal immigrant, right? Yes. So that really comes as no surprise. Yes. <laughs> Some might say that uh, his name was Alejandro, by the way. Yeah, I know that was me. Wait, wait. I was in disguise. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, that was you the entire time. That was me the whole time. I'm an expert Spanish speaker. I have a little bit of that Argentine accent. I would say you do. In fact, uh, I would also say your expertness at Spanish uh, really manifested itself back when we took that Spanish class together. Remember that? Um, I do remember that. Remember we had to like, speak Spanish, for example, in front of other people? and Yeah. There was kind of a progression in the beginning of the semester, we would like say a bunch of things in Spanish with different linguistic characteristics, and then we said them at the end of the semester and kind of compared the two. Sí. Remember that? Sure. That's, uh, that reminded me of that just now. That's what that reminded me of. So that's, I thought that was an interesting aside there. Good times. Uh, yes, these are the good times. And so the good times are rolling for certain people and not for other people. 
and of course the other people being the people who are coming across illegally. Um, Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions, who as came you know, across illegally. Sorry, just a segue. It was a very confusing segue for our listeners. Keep going. Donald Trump, Jeff Jeff Sessions. (laughs) They have vowed to make America safe again. You know, that was one of Donald Trump's big planks and platforms during his campaign. And now he's doing it, or at least attempting to, and getting some backlash for doing it. Have you come across any of the backlash read by anywhere? Has seen the kind of backlash he's receiving for this? Uh, yes. Well, do tell. He's receiving backlash. <laughs> um, can, can I, uh, segue here into something else? That was the point. The, um, <laughs> this is not, I guess, direct, uh, Donald Trump backlash, but I think it's, uh, I think it's all because of Donald Trump, but you know about the South by Southwest? I may have heard it at a time or two. Music festival showcase, uh, it's in Austin, isn't it? It is in Austin. Yes. It's coming up in a few weeks. So uh, recently, your tickets? Um, no, but uh, wow, it's a, it's sort of you don't really uh, you don't need tickets to do a lot of stuff, which is kind of cool. You can you can get into some venues for free or for very well, cheap. There are a lot of homeless people in Austin, so that makes sense. Uh, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Um, but so there was recently a controversy uh, around South by Southwest Ooh, after yeah. <laughs> Um, after um, some uh, artists uh, refused to uh, play and wrote an open letter to the festival um, regarding certain language that is in the the language. Uh, here's here's what it said. Um, the, uh, the it's the South by Southwest performance agreement it states the South by Southwest determines in its sole discretion that artists or its representatives have acted in ways that adversely affect the viability of the artist's official show. So, all right, all right. Well, yeah, I'll skip that, that part. Means. Okay. So basically, if, if they do some, if a artist do something bad, the festival reserves the right to do a number of things, including notifying the appropriate U.S. immigration authorities of the above actions. Ooh. That's, that's kind of out of left field, isn't it? That, that's a little harsh. Um, but the, um, they, they have a bunch of international um, artists who play in addition to like locals, regionals, national acts. Um, basically, uh, the uh, um, South by Southwest has had this language in their contract for like five years or something now, since 2013, I believe. Um, and uh, it's basically sort of, um, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, in there, it's yeah, in there yeah, for the, yeah, I don't know words. I forgot all my words. It's too early in the morning. Um, it's in there. So if uh, if someone does something super egregious, like let's say lights their stage on fire or something like that, they have the right to like go to any authority. Uh, but wait um, a cotton pig in second yet again. Isn't Austin one of those their sanctuary cities? That is correct. So how does this work in a sanctuary <laughs> city? I, I mean, I'm guessing that's why they have that in their contract right no it's, i don't understand it's because because <clears throat> it is a sanctuary sh- city so so that means local authorities are not going to cooperate with the federal uh ice agents <laughs> and doing any sort of deportation to those immigrants that they're talking about 
So how do you right? Gonna... Uh, well, sanctuary city just means that, like local authorities, like the police, local police or whatever, won't call the immigration, won't call ICE or whatever, or whatever. But uh, but that doesn't mean a private person can't call ICE, <laughs> or a you know a private company. Theoretically, no, it does not. Right. So that's I mean. All right. Well, uh, has that ever happened before? By the way, have they ever exercised that part of the clause? No. No. It's it's like the final straw kind of thing. Can you imagine the outrage in the San Francisco of Texas, also known as Austin, Texas, if that were to happen at South by Southwest, a nationally renowned? Yeah, festival? I mean, we're, we're they're already outraged about this. <laughs> Preemptive outrage, my favorite. Preemptive outrage, yes. But not really, though, because this language has been in the contract for years now. They're only just now getting outraged about it. I see. Under the age of Donald Trump, of course. Exactly. Everything always leads back to Donald Trump, as does topic number four in our parade of topics today in our sudden death extravaganza. The last but not least topic, and a topic that's your personal favorite, I would imagine, marijuana. Um, you, you know you're a big pothead, aren't you? You're a big reefer riddle they call you reefer riddle don't they uh yeah yeah um they they call me that (laughs) okay i would imagine so now again we have a clash between the federal government and states this time when it comes to marijuana as you know several states have now legalized marijuana medically and marijuana recreationally in their jurisdiction Indeed. indeed and you know People who smoke marijuana sound just like that. And they're kind of, uh, you know, stoners, as they say. Really? And that's right. Whoa. Really. <laughs> and so it's kind of hard to kind of explain the nuances of, you know, federal law versus state law and kind of a... To stoners. Right. And then kind or of... Or being a stoner. It's, it's kind of a professorial way like this. So what I thought I'd do is, uh, in order to explain the, the wonders of marijuana and the problems with state enforcement versus federal government enforcement of these different states that have these laws. I thought I'd bring to the show uh, one of my good friends who a little beat there that I just heard. That was really interesting. But I'm going to soldier on and ignore that as Alex motion to do. So I thought in order to kind of explain kind of the differences between federal law and state law and how federal law trumps state law, I'd bring to, my, the, bring to the show my good friend, Grandmaster Rash. Grandmaster Rash is a, a rapper who is known for his very well-known raps. And he is going to show us all in, you know, rap form, how exactly this process works. Isn't that exciting, Alex? Let's get this over with. <laughs> Tear off the Band-Aid, please. <laughs> all right, Grandmaster Rash, drop that beat. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Dancing marijuana. Here we go. Make it legal everywhere. Contradicting federal law, but those states don't care. I keep it high in 
got a rash from that. I've had something. I, I definitely contracted something from that. Quite a performance. Where are my vitamins? <laughs> it's a great question. But GMR raised a great point about the, the supremacy. Why are you looking at me like that? Great job, Rashawn. That was beautiful. A little bit long. I definitely stopped listening. Wouldn't be the first time. It w- uh, no, it would not. But uh, yeah, very creative. So to Grandmaster Rash's point, I had not heard that before, uh, listeners. <laughs> no, was, first time for you, first time for me too. This is live in studio. Live in studio. To Grandmaster Rash's point, <laughs> what does the federal government do about these states that have these laws that allow recreational marijuana use when the, the federal law does not so allow, especially the sale of such things? 
what should the government be doing about that? That's for you, by the way. Uh, repealing its uh, laws against marijuana. Well, that is certainly one idea that GMR raised in his performance <laughs> there. But until that happens, you know, Jeff Sessions wants to enforce marijuana law, just like he wants to enforce immigration law. Is that a really a bad thing to do that? Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's really worth the uh, time and uh, money. As my pappy once said, A-Rids, a law without enforcement is a suggestion. Uh, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> you and Pap, you're on the same page? Yeah, it's a, it's a great suggestion. I mean, you know. But since it's not a suggestion and it's a law, it needs enforcement or else it's not really a law. And it's not just the, the federal statute, the Controlled Substance Act we're talking about. It's also the U.S. Constitution. Because, as Grandmaster Rash said, there's a supremacy clause. And whenever the state law allows something, that federal law doesn't allow, there is a preordained winner in that epic clash of statutes. Right, yeah. Uh, What I think is really interesting is uh, probably a lot of people, a lot of the people, uh, well, I guess basically it's a coalition of, like, let's say libertarians and uh, liberals who are uh, pro uh, the legalization of marijuana. It's generally not going to be the more conservative bunch who are in that camp. Um, however, they seem to be getting aboard that uh, ye old states' rights train, um, which uh, I would say goes back to their historical enemies. So, just uh, I think the uh, um, the tables have turned. No, no, not necessarily. The states' no? rights argument refers to the the Tenth Amendment, the federalism argument. And that anything that's not enumerated in the Constitution's Bill of Rights, it should be left to the state. I'm not saying this is a coherent argument for states' rights. I'm saying they, they're, uh, uh, this is an instance of you know, decentralized subversion of federal government law. Uh, well, as Grandmaster Rash also said— Maybe know, stop referring back to that guy— Whoever that is. <laughs> as, as you just heard by some mysterious voice, we used to have a decentralized federal government under the Articles of Confederation. And how did that turn out? Spoiler alert, the opposite of well. That's why we have a supremacy clause in the first place, so that the federal government can enforce the federal laws, even if the states don't want to. And that is okay. the Attorney General's job here, his Trabajo, as that illegal immigrant would have said, if I'd asked him about that. And that's why Jeff Sessions must, he must enforce these laws until and unless Congress decides to change them and the president decides to sign them into law. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? That's right. What is wrong with that? Um, I mean, you know, I don't really care. This is not my, uh, this is not my bag. I was, I was calling, calling attention to something I found more interesting. Well, you said that there's not a lot of uh, there shouldn't be a lot of priority in enforcing these laws. Uh, yes, it should not be prioritized, but it should be done, shouldn't it? I mean, to an extent, I don't, I don't know. Um, when you got like what eight states have legalized recreational marijuana, which so, means you can sell marijuana in those like, states. Walk me through what enforcing the law would look like. <laughs> okay, um, enforcing the law when a state decides to disobey the law obviously is different from when an individual does it. You know, there is federal funding that goes to certain states, kind of mm-hmm. like with the uh, sanctuary city situation. Yep. And if the state decides to 
not enforce federal law, if they decide to allow something that federal law prohibits, then there can be money that is um, not given to the states, that is withheld from the states. All right, that's Although the me. Supreme Court in its Obamacare terrible decision kind of did the uh, Medicare two-step. You're aware of the Medicare two-step, aren't you? Uh, yeah. And by Medicare two-step, I mean Medicaid two-step. Every Saturday night at the clubs. Yes, Medicare. <laughs> you and the club. That's okay. I go clubbing. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Clubbing uh, baby seals. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Not to, in the club clubbing. The Medicaid expansion, you know, they said that the federal government couldn't withhold funding from those states that decided not to expand Medicaid under Obamacare because that would be illegal commandeering of the states, whatever that word means. But theoretically, that's different than this, a situation where the law on the books is that uh, you can't sell marijuana and traffic it around willy-nilly, right. the Controlled Substances Act. But these states say, oh, we not only are selling marijuana, we have entire dispensaries and shops set up. We have a mm-hmm. business. We're making tax revenue off of this marijuana. And so, once again, something's got to give. And as Grandmaster, the other guy who was here a moment ago, said, it's not going to be the states that are going to win that constitutionally. Yeah, One I mean, would think. Frankly, I don't even know why states receive federal funding. Like, don't states impose their own taxes? Why, yes. Yeah, so why are we being taxed out the yin-yang in order to fund other entities that tax us? So this is all, like, this whole system is terrible. Um, needs to change. Uh, as, as far as legalizing marijuana, I'd say legalize it. Um, so is there a know, rationale behind that or just because you want to smoke weed? Uh, I personally do not smoke weed, despite said, what you said. Want say. to smoke weed, not do uh, smoke weed. I, I do not, and I also have no interest in smoking weed, like pretty much ever. Why do you want it to be legalized then? Um, wh- why should it be illegal? Well, why should meth be illegal? Um, well, meth has a, a far more negative consequences than weed. For one, it's addictive, uh, it adversely affects your health, whereas marijuana has health benefits in addition to negative effects, and probably the benefits outweigh the the downside. But uh, well, you know, know we that. we should probably that's, that's up for debate. Big maybe time. big league. May, maybe uh, um, we can have a discussion about marijuana on our uh, next we'll bring podcast. grandmaster rash back to we won't <laughs> what do you mean we won't we're, we're taking him out in a ditch and we're <laughs> shooting him in the head <laughs> that's not very nice sorry you have to get through all four of these topics in record time we got through everything because of him and bro that was things. not record time that was literally like a four and a half minute <laughs> rap <laughs> air quotes rap song <laughs> air quotes oh man well, you'll have to tune in next week to see if, if Grandmaster Rash makes a return. Um, only time will tell. <laughs> but until then, thank you for joining us yet again on this Sudden Death, as you do every week. Tuesdays, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be here. You'll be there. We'll be on iTunes for the podcast afterwards. That's our after party. See you then. Bye now. I think we should have just called our podcast... Uh... Fake news.